If you like weird history, true crime, haunted and paranormal, then pause the podcast you're listening to right now and subscribe to Ghost Town wherever you listen to podcasts. We also have a video component to our favorite Ghost Town episodes at youtube.com slash Jason Horton. Episodes like The Los Feliz Murder House, The Toxic Lady, The Black Dahlia, Janis Joplin's Hotel Room, The Haunted Roosevelt Hotel, and more. Just go to youtube.com slash Jason Horton. That's youtube.com slash J-A-S-O-N-H-O-R-T-O-N. And while you're there, please subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. Thank you. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit It's the Friends Without Benefits podcast. My name is Jason Horton. Welcome to my show. And if it's your first time here, you are going to get your mind blown. And if you're back for more and you're a returning customer, uh, you know it's just talking. It's just talking and you listen to it. But glad that you're here. People that are here for the first time, people that are back for more, very excited. I have a good friend of mine really good actor, director, Ray Chow. Uh, Ray is one of these people that, uh, what I love about doing this podcast is there's people that I thought that I knew. I get them on here, and then they tell me something about themselves, and I'm like, I had no idea you had this other life. So you'll hear when I talk to Ray that I'm getting my mind blown. And usually I'm getting my mind blown because it's something cool and like, wow, you have already accomplished so much and I'm sitting here, you know, talking about what? What am I going to talk about? Uh, I don't know if I mentioned that I saw Depeche Mode and if I'm repeating myself, I'm very sorry. Uh, I just don't think I talked about going to see Depeche Mode and this is the second time I'm seeing them this year. I saw them for the first time in like 1990. It was a Violator tour. Uh, it was Jesus and Mary Chain, a band called Nitzareb and Depeche Mode, and that was uh, in New York, uh, Jones Beach. I remember because the night before, I saw the B-52, so it was a really exciting weekend. And I was younger, and I just, I don't know, I just had so much more energy. But Depeche Mode, it's like they're timeless. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they're so timeless, and they, I don't know, I feel like they age really well, too, or they're just aging right, and I feel like I'm just, like, getting wider. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're getting older and cooler and I'm getting just older and wider, but that was super fun. Went to the Hollywood bowl, which is always a really good time. Uh, I just, they play a lot of songs that I like, but I wish they played. There's so many more songs I wish I heard. And it's not even like, Hey, can you play some deep cuts? Uh, I was like, no, play some not deep cuts. I mean, they play a lot. They have a, What's good about a band that, you know, you could, like, I love Billy Joel. Billy Joel hasn't made, a tr like, a new studio album in forever. And I think the thing is, Billy Joel's like, if I'm not going to make something better, 
uh, or that represents me really well. I'm just not going to do it. And he has so many songs and he doesn't care. And so when I see Billy Joel, I'm like, you have so many songs. Like, I don't care that you don't have new songs where, especially like, like if you talk about punk rock, like a lot of bands that are just, they keep playing. Uh, they haven't made any new music. So that's kind of the argument. Like you haven't made any new music. And yet people just want to hear like the old stuff, but you have to respect bands that are like, we're still putting out new albums. We're still taking what makes us us. And then we're kind of just kind of rolling with the times. And I really like hearing it. It's not like I don't like hearing it, but I wish it was a three-hour concert and I can hear everything that I want to hear. So I don't know if I mentioned that I saw Depeche Mode, but I did. Uh, I actually just did some stand-up tonight. Those of you who are following my chronicles of doing stand-up, I got up I got up three times this week. It's pretty good. Uh, you know, I got a couple of shows lined up. Really excited about that. I am uh, doing... I think I'm doing a TV show next week or filming something for a TV show next week. If it happens, I'll let you know in the next episode what it is. I just don't like to talk about things. Like, I don't, I'm not one of those people that will uh, think something's happening and then I run and, like, post it on Facebook because there's so many things that you think are going to happen and they just don't happen. Or even you get to the point where you film something and it just never comes out. So I'm one of those people that kind of like to... I only want to tell you something if it's something. But that's something I might be doing next week. My wife has a Nintendo Switch now, so she's been playing Nintendo Switch. I just bought her Mario Odyssey. Um, I'm trying Twitch, which is not Switch. I'm trying Twitch, streaming myself playing Grand Theft Auto, because why not do something else to put more out there? But if you're on Twitch, my name on there is the Jason Horton. Uh, if you are on Instagram, it's the Jason Horton. Twitter is Jason underscore Horton. What else? Do I, it's hot in Los Angeles still. It's oh, it's just never. It's like never ending heat, nonstop. And the, my car currently does not have air conditioning, which I thought wasn't going to be a problem because it costs a lot to fix. But I was like, it's almost November. No, uh, I. Uh, I'll probably talk about this more next episode. But uh, on Sunday, I'm going to see the book signing and kind of Q and A for Mark Maron's book, Waiting for the Punch. Excited about that. Love the book. Uh, except like, I feel like it's a lot of spoilers cause I haven't listened to all the, I'm trying to get through as many episodes as I can. Cause I'm kind of like a, a new listener to him and really honestly, a new listener to podcast only over the last couple of years. And Mark Maron's is something I've only listened to when I was commuting to work early this year. So maybe, I don't know. I want to say like May or something like that. It's the first time I started listening, but, uh, I probably started with the Bruce Springsteen episode because New Jersey, so that was really exciting. So I'm going to see that uh, on Sunday. Let's see if I walk away with any... I'm not looking for tips. I just am curious what goes behind making his show and the book and everything else. And on Monday, I'm going to see uh, Ricky Gervais. That's today. Today, then you're listening to this, I'm going to see Ricky Gervais. So I'll re be reporting on all those really interesting things to you. I know they're super interesting to you uh, in the next episode. Uh, but for now, let's let's talk... Let's talk to Ray Chow. I mean, he's he's done so many commercials. He's had such an interesting life. He's in a new movie called Snake Out of Compton, which I don't know if it's in the vibe of Sharknado, but uh, we didn't talk about... I think there's just things he doesn't like to... didn't want to talk about because he's one of those people, like, if it's not out, I don't want to talk about it yet. 
but uh, we've worked together for a while. He's a really interesting dude, and you'll hear when I kind of realize this other life that he has. But uh, let's let's talk to Ray. I, we were talking about SNL, and uh, you just started, and I saw a tweet from somebody. They were like, you know, there's been X amount of SNL performers, and there's really been no Asian uh, SNL cast members. Have there been? Uh, for those of you who aren't in the industry, yeah. SNL is Saturday Night Live. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's not like a kid's thing, like, see, nah, later. <laughs> it's not like that. Yeah, you know, I don't think there has been an Asian because Asians are very serious. Yeah. No comedy. <laughs> Just kind of like math. 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 But then I was like this, I was like, you know what that isn't fair. So I was like, what do what, what can I what can I do as like a hero, a brave hero? And I I can have Ray on uh to kind of be like, you see SNL like I had an Asian person. Well, you're not the first Asian person I've had in this podcast, but first in a while. Um, I had another comedian named Christina Wong, and she was great. Uh, The problem is you're going to want another Asian guest 30 minutes later. (laughs) So Ray Ray is a comedian. Ray Chow, comedian, actor, uh, comedian. Um, you said comedian twice. Yeah, uh, human. Uh, we met. Uh, we met through. I mean, this is like a lot of through line for a lot of things, but we met through Totally Scouch. No, we didn't. Oh, or I no. don't know. Actually, I don't know if it was. Is it called Totally Scouch? I know I met you at Maker Studios. Right. That, but it was yeah, Maker Studios. But the for the channel Totally Sketch, where it was me and a bunch of Asian businessmen in a car. Typical. Totally sketch, um, and that's typical you know, racism. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, typical though. But it was like fun, like fun racism. You know what I mean? Where it's like, you guys, you white guys, what are you doing? I didn't know. I think really the joke is me though. The joke isn't you guys. Well, the joke is the Jew. The joke was on you, right? Correct. Yes, yeah, yes, because you were the star. Yeah, and we were the like comic relief. Yeah. So I was like uh, us carpooling or something like that. Well, you were entertaining us, like you were trying to impress us. Oh, we were, we were like Asian businessmen, <laughs> so therefore we had lots of money. <laughs> right. And then um, I don't know. You, I, we may may not want to have a spoiler because people might be googling this right now. What is the name of the video? Um, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think if you look think... up "totally sketch Asian," maybe you'll find it. Yeah, but I thought it was. I thought your character like had an arc where it was like various aspects. Was it interactive? No, no, no. no. But I meant like it was like a series of things where you were like the bumbling kind of yeah. Being caught. I mean, I always do that. I do yeah. the same thing. But I, I think it was like somehow it was the GP, the phone or something, and we overheard you ha- having sex or something. Oh my! Right? You know what? I bet it is because it's very typical. Yeah. I was talking to my wife and I bet like, or like I got butt dialed and I hear her. Oh, I was like, you're on my voicemail and oh, you hear her. Right. I mean, I'm just putting it together. That's probably what yeah. it is. And I'm just like, oh yeah, she's American humor. That's it's probably something like that. Well, it's interesting how life is because fast forward, um, you know how we did that little short film together. Yeah. Before and- we get all high and mighty, we did a short film together that you wrote and directed called Bro Job. Right, but I wasn't plugging myself. I was actually going to mention 
a, like something funny that happened that reminded me of the first time I met you. So I was um, going over the final cut, and I, I actually teach college. So it was during a final exam, and I didn't have the volume down, <laughs> and all the students are taking their exam. And then, if you recall, what are the first 10 seconds of that film, uh, sound-wise? Uh, sound of blowjob. Yeah, you, you moaning yeah. while getting a blowjob. Doing a damn good job of it. Right. And so <laughs> I'm in this classroom, totally silent, because all the students are taking... But you shouldn't be doing that. No, they're taking the final exam. But you should be... You shouldn't be looking... Doing this a final go-over of bro job. You should be doing... Thinking about what can I do to, like teach these children even more it was the final exam but anyways so that was kind of funny yeah. and i yeah. you know had a quick did anyone say anything or were they just like oh this these rap videos are crazy on the on the mtv yeah, yeah. no i i just um i mean it wasn't the first time it happened i mean what <laughs> yeah what? so uh, let's go let's go pre pre bro job pre that where are you from so I can get to know you. Chicago. Okay. Comedy, co- co- comedy capital. Comedy college capital yeah. of the world. Did you do Second City or I.O.? No, you know, uh, Jason, I, I don't even think you know this about me because I, I do not, you know, I mean, it's not a secret or anything, but I had a whole other life before I threw it all away to be an unemployed actor. Um, I was actually an attorney in Chicago. I was a prosecutor. I said no cops. I just want to say that. I was like, I just want to tell people no cops. So wait, hold on a second. I mean, listen, I, I've had other, I used to be like a licensed uh, life insurance agent mm-hmm. in the state of California. Yeah. So I had, you know, I've had other, but you were a prosecutor. Yeah. I had never done any comedy, never performed, never, no theater, nothing. Just a very um, kind of generic career path. And I was a prosecutor and how I got into comedy was a, I was teaching law school, and a student of mine said, hey, I'm in a student improv class at Second City. Come watch my class. And for those of you that uh, have taken classes at Second City, it's like A through E or something. Yeah. So I, like, it's like a level C, like a very you know, early level class. I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll go. And I went, and I thought, hey, that's kind of cool. I had never seen improv, never remotely performed or anything. Just started taking classes, and then... Just kind of my whole career path spun out of control. What was the kind of the impetus to do that? Were you like, you know what? Let me just kind of like just shake up my life a little bit and try something new. Just like if it was like like woodworking or something like yeah. that. Yeah, I, I always thought, hey, I'm going to try stand up, and I didn't really know what improv was. And then I went to see the show, and I said, hey, it's kind of like stand up, but it's in a group. And at first, I was hesitant, thinking like, you know, I'm I'm a very A type personality, so I was like, oh, I, I don't like that lack of control. But I actually really enjoy improv. I mean, uh, I really did. A, not that I didn't think you had like some other life, but I just assumed that you were like successful, especially commercial actor, um, and you know, actor in general. Um, because I guess when you meet people in Los Angeles, you just assume. Oh, that's your thing, and that's what you do. So well, let's go back. You're from Chicago. Yep. Um, did did you as a kid? Did your parents any? Did you have anything like I want to be an entertainer or not at all? So you you were just like I I'm not here. I'm here to make money, serve the public. What is yeah? That? I was uh well you know prosecutors um ideally go into that job because they want to serve the public. Yeah, yeah. but I had a very specific. 
uh, specialty of law, I was, I basically, uh, my specialty was crimes against children. So anything that involved kids and kids getting harmed, I had a hand in. Yeah, which is heinous and, you know. Yeah. So, uh, but, okay, so how do we, let's get there first. So in, you, in Chicago, you're just. I'm a prosecutor. I'm prosecuting parents who abuse their kids. Um, doing the occasional like murder of a kid. How did, how like early did you know that you wanted to do that? That's why I applied to law school. Like I specifically applied to law yeah. school, saying I'm yeah. going to work with kids. But even, let's go back even further. How mm-hmm. did you decide you wanted to be an attorney? Like what like what gets you there? I was just like uh, you know I graduated with a general you know uh, liberal arts degree, and I was kind of like not sure what I wanted to do. I started volunteering with some kids, started working with some gangs you know, kind of rehabilitating them. Yeah. And I thought, hey, I'm going to go into law and try to make a difference with these kids. Wow. Then you come to L.A. and you just, I mean, you really did throw it all away. Yeah, I did. I mean, I, I, mean, I can't even, I, can't, I mean, you're like, oh, I threw it all away. You know, you hear that. It's like, ha, no, 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 you you actually did throw yeah, it away. Yeah, I literally did throw we, it all away. The world needs, they need less bro job. <laughs> and uh, and whatever commercials you're, you're booking or whatever acting things, we don't need to be sold that. What we need is more prosecuting yeah, arguably. But, you know, I think, um, you know, I don't regret doing it. I, I will say that, you know, I learn a lot from other actors and kind of their paths and everyone's paths is a little bit different. I think the reason why I was able to do what I did was I really loved being a lawyer, which most lawyers hate being lawyers. I loved being a lawyer. And then it was like, hey, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to go pursue this and see how it goes. But when I moved to LA, my goal was I was not going to work a nine to five. I was gonna give it my all. And luckily I've been fortunate, I've just been kind of, you know, you know, doing my best for the last seven years now. And how um, much time do you spend becoming a lawyer? I went a little bit extra. I, I it took three years to get my my JD, which is and pass the bar. And then I went back and I got a doctorate in law specializing in ju- in family and juvenile law. So that was another 2 years. I mean, I'm I'm assuming I mean I don't I don't uh, like know like the the money's involved, but I'm I'm assuming you kind of left something more lucrative financially. Oh yeah, definitely. Not to say that's why you did it. Right. Not not only more lucrative, but I think the difference for me was stability. You know, I think it was very stable income. And then now, you know, as we all know, nothing is stable. I, I tell people all the time because, you know, I think I have, have taken a, a unique career path. And so my colleagues, my former colleagues are always, you know, amazed that I did what I did and maybe somewhat envious or whatever. But, you know, I think when I reflect on the industry as a whole, we are in a crazy business. Like I explained to them, it's so weird. You Audition all the time, which is like a job interview. You never get hired. You don't know why. You can't really improve anything. And the biggest thing is, even after you book things, until that check is in your hand, you don't know if you're going to get paid. And I think that's very bizarre. And another very bizarre thing is, like, the amount of check. <laughs> like, yeah, You don't right, know. Like, yeah. you get a check and you kind of notice where it's from. You're like, oh, great. And it could be, like, a $30 check. A two hundred dollar check or a ten thousand dollar check. It's like such a weird way to like live. So okay. So what is the thing that? What about the people around you? Let's talk about the people around you. So you're you're a success, successful prosecutor. 
the mean streets of Chicago, you know, um, and I mean, when you were, there's got to be a point you're like, you know what, I'm going to take a break from this, which people generally don't do. I'm assuming for the most part, like, because you're young enough where it's not like I've been doing this for, you know, 60 years, You, you know, you're at a thing where you're like probably not the infancy of the career, but you're probably, you know, you have a lot of career left. Right. I think what happened was I had been performing fairly regularly at Second City at their kind of like their, their, you know, grade A or grade B, you know, like their side So stage. you're doing both at the same time. Yeah. I was like performing like three, four times a week. And I was getting some traction. I was doing a, a little bit of commercial work, but everything was limited because of my job. So I thought, you know, I'm going to move to either New York or L.A. and I'm going to pursue acting further and then it just kind of spiraled out of control i mean it just kept going i mean it's amazing that you know i mean it happens with a lot of people but a lot of those other people you know that you, you might take the you know, second city class and you're like you know what i really like this i want to go further but they don't have i mean some people do but a lot of people for you know are, are younger you know for whatever i mean i i'm a late bloomer well i'm by bloomer i'm just late you know what i mean i'm, I'm late to the game uh but uh I didn't have something – I didn't have to anything to weigh. Like I really had nothing to lose where I feel like you probably were like I invested so much in this thing that um, I felt like – but the fact that it was – it seemed to be very clear to you. That's very interesting, your perspective. Mm-hmm. I had a different take on it. Okay. It wasn't that I had anything to lose. It's that I had this hu- this other thing I could go back to. Okay. So I think that's what kind of uh, gave me the courage to do that. Even today, I say, you know what? I could just cash in my chips, go back to Chicago, maybe get a job at the prosecutor's office. But regardless, I could get a job. And I think that kind of gave me a lot of, um, you know, I, I think— I think made you con- I'm sure it made you a little more confident that you— Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if it's more confident, but just more, um, more able to take these risks. I think— when I look at other actors kind of at my level or maybe even slightly above, the per- it's a survival game. It's like literally can you pay rent until you get a break? And I think that it's very difficult if you're working at a lower-wage job. And I'm lucky because I have a skill set that I am able to, you know, I, I work as a consultant and I teach. So I, so I, so I can make a good – I can make more money than – someone who doesn't have that background. So that's yeah. why I'm very lucky. What When you made the decision to be like, you know what, I'm going to put the brakes on this for a while, I'm going to go to L.A., what were the people around you saying? They were very supportive, but I think the through line was everyone was like, oh, my God. Because, you know, I was a very happy person in Chicago. I had a great career. I was well-respected. I You had no technically no reason to leave. Correct. That is exactly right. I was teaching law school. I was taking comedy classes. I was performing. I would do an occasional film or commercial. I literally had the best of both worlds. But I also saw in Chicago, you know, I think when you, particularly when you're in comedy in Chicago, kind of the, the holy grail is Second City, you know, the, the main stage. And it's such an elite group. And, you know, I don't have those skills. I mean, I'm very realistic. There's just no way I'm going to be on that main stage. So I thought, well, you know, uh, not that Chicago is a small market, but New York and L.A. would provide more opportunities. Was New York? Did you go to New York? Or was New York yeah, I went to New York. You know, it was funny because, like, I, I literally just started sending out resumes, 
and to L.A. and New York, and, and I happened to get a job offer first from New York. Doing what? I was uh, worked for uh, City of Manhattan okay. in their corporate councils. Okay. So you, getting out of Chicago to go to a more like kind of entertainment-rich city, you, you still kind of were like, I'm going to get a, like a job job. Correct. Exactly. And what I did was I took a lower-level position mm-hmm. per my experience. So my, my day job was super easy, and I focused more on acting, theater, comedy. And then I spent uh, four years in New York. And then when I moved to L.A., it was with the idea of not working at all. So you, uh, you kind of did a little, somewhat of a gradual kind of thing. Right, but yeah. it wasn't by design. It was literally, it was by chance that I got the job offer in New York first, just because I think it was easier to interview and, you know, sell myself. And then moved to New York, and I knew once the day I landed in New York, I knew in four years I was going to move to L.A. Because the goal was one coast first and then the other coast. Did, did you? How did you? Did you find um, uh, opportunities to perform in New York? And yeah, I, I think uh, again, I, I was somewhat limited because of my day job, but I had a great deal more flexibility because it, I was basically a senior attorney at a entry-level position. Not that, you know, I, I was so great, but the work was very easy because I went down in my pay grade. So I was auditioning a lot, doing commercials. Um, I did a short film, that, and we went to Sundance. So I was, you know, I was kind of doing a pretty good job and getting getting things done, and I thought, hey, now's the time I'm going to do it full-time, move to L.A. So what year did you move to L.A.? So I'm getting... It'll be uh, seven years this fall. Okay. So you come to L.A., and you came to L.A. kind of almost as like, like a blank slate as far as— Exactly. You weren't like, oh, I'm going to work here first and whatever. So you just came here like, let's see what happens. Yeah, and it's funny because I think uh, L.A., you know, you hear it all the time. L.A. is just—is you can't imagine really what it's like until you get here. And I will say, you know, having had a, a modicum of success in New York, I thought, oh, well— if I'm acting part-time and I'm going to Sundance and blah, 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 L.A. is going to be easy, you know what I mean? And it, it is, this is a tough city. And uh, I landed and just started, just cast a really broad net. I was, you know, I was working for free. I was doing those, you know, $50 day job, you know, everything. Just, you know. Because you, you, weren't, you weren't actually motivated by the making money from it you were doing it for the experience and exposure right. yeah like i now that i look back i see that um you know this town it it does have a lot of opportunities but you know i was you know i'm sure we've all done that you know you do those um those reality tv storage shows you yeah. know for 50 bucks or you do those uh recreation shows oh for, yeah you know oh i killed my somebody yeah killed my right ex. right who killed uh, my ex well there's <laughs> there's the classic um what was it like world's worst tattoos or something that was one of my <laughs> highlights classic. yeah but you know I, I was just doing those because i just wanted to be on set yeah and i wanted to like learn and and just meet people and uh i see in the seven years i i really did not think it would take that long but in the seven years i see these milestones that i reached you know so eventually at some point i said well i'm not going to work for free anymore you know i think that's a big step because i think we're actors are very insecure and they think you know, when the phone stops ringing, you know, you get nervous. So that was like a line in the sand. And then the next one, obviously, was, you know, when I 
became union. You know, I don't work non-union and, you know, things like that. So it was a progression. And, um, oh, or in between, I skipped, you know, I stopped doing background. You know, I mean, that was a big step, too. But, you know, I think you have to, you can't sell yourself short. You can't think like, oh, I'm going to do background. But then it's like you're you're kind of pulling yourself out of the co-star pool because they're not going to call you in for a co-star. Right. Yeah, you, you want to be seen as what you want to be seen as. Right. Did you ever, I mean, with, with I mean, it sounds like everything, um, you went into everything without really too much trepidate, you know, trepidatiousness. Yeah. Um, but is there ever any times where you're like, you know, I was really, I was really stable at a job that you liked, which is the, is kind of like the thing that I'm wrapping my head around. Cause it's not like, oh, I was doing this nine to five. Yeah. I was successful, but you know, it was like killing myself and I hated it. It wasn't fulfilling. You know, the, the, you, you know, took a break from something that you loved, which, uh, to do something else that you loved. Uh, but was there ever any time? I mean, cause it's got it. You know, there's times where like, the day, you know, the days and weeks are long, and it's like, oh, this has not been a great month, or ups and downs. Did you ever kind of, I don't, do you ever second guess? There's only been one time that I was. That's what we want yeah. to hear. <laughs> and it was, it's because of what's been going on in our country recently. I was very concerned with losing health care. Okay. And uh, I, I kind of had to get over that because I thought, you know, if I lose health care, I lose health care, I'll figure something out. But a part of me thought, hey, I got to be proactive. I got to maybe get a full-time job or, or move back to Chicago or New York or wherever because, you know, healthcare is a serious thing now. I think when you're young and, you know, you, you know I, I had a period of time where I didn't have healthcare and I didn't, you know, I didn't realize what a risk that is. But now, you know, I'm more realistic. It's like – so that was uh, – it was eye-opening. But also it made me kind of reassess and say, hey, you know, you don't make decisions like that based on – you know that fear. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to make because you you haven't so far, and it's kind of served you well. Right. So now I just uh, that was the only kind of hiccup in the path. But I think it's so interesting just how you phrase it and how I phrase it. Like I never thought I was leaving anything. I always felt I had something to fall back on. I think I guess there's this thing of like when people pursue their dream and acting, it's a very dramatic take. Like. Sorry, plans. My parents, you what you thought I was gonna do, or hey, society, no thanks. I'm gonna do my thing, and it's like it's just a very like dramatic, um, kind of like thrusting towards something. But it's not always like that. Sometimes it's like I like this and I like yeah. that. I'm gonna do that, and and maybe I'll go back to this. I don't know. I think it's ultimately the reason why I like acting and just kind of working in the business is I really like you know, storytelling. I like communicating, mm -hmm. you know, and I did that as a lawyer. You know, I think that's why part of the reason I was successful as a lawyer was, you know, in court, I was a very good storyteller, you know, and, and I think I come, came across as credible. And that's really important in, in uh, court. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. 
and they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. I mean, it's, I, I imagine that when you, know, when you meet people or you have meetings or whatever, I mean, I find it very interesting. You know, you have a very unique story that a lot of people don't. I mean, everyone has some kind of a story, but you have a very unique story. And it's not something where it's like, uh, here's here's 10 huge bummers in a row. And now I'm here. Yeah. You have this very interesting thing where you've done something that, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of people don't uh, like don't have any. Uh, they don't know anyone who's done that before, you know, and, and you're talking to somebody who's like had this like other really interesting life. Yeah, um, it, it is interesting, you know, how my story is, you know, kind of how people react to my story. First of all, there are a lot of lawyers that are now actors. I mean, maybe it's one of those things, you know, you don't notice purple cars until you buy a purple car. Yeah. But I meet a lot of former lawyers. Um, but the interesting thing is when I, you know, when I, uh, submit to a casting. The one in particular was for an Asian prosecutor, and I didn't get booked. And I, <laughs> I, I were you not Asian or not prosecutor? I <laughs> I hope I wasn't Asian enough yeah. because. Um, but it's funny because I do have difficulty t- difficulty getting cast as an attorney. I get cast more as a doctor. Oh, weird. Yeah. But it's it's only one of those two things, right? Or yeah. delivery, you know, delivery. Of course, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you came here today, I was just like, "Where's my Postmates or whatever it is?" And, yeah, right. Uh, I was like, "Oh no, it's oh, that's it's our guest." Yeah, oh. But no, then I was like, "Well, I'm being brave because Saturday Night Live isn't pulling their weight, having enough, you know, Asian representation." So I'm picking up the slack for that. So I'm I'm pretty much benefiting from the institutional racism. Yeah. Of comedy. So, are you commer- I mean, this is only from what I'm getting. This is what I'm here to ask. Uh, commercials seem to be like your jam. Yeah, I I think it's because I'm in a very nice demographic. I think in general, Asians, especially older male Asians, so I'm actually, the older I get, the better. Like, I want the, I want to be opposite Benjamin Button. I want to get, like, rapidly older. Because, uh... you need health insurance, so... (laughs) Right, right. But the pool gets smaller the older the Asian male is. It's not true with Asian females. There's too many of those. And young Asian males, um, I think Asian older Asian males are the most sought after. Second only to uh, anyone who can play like a terrorist. Okay, like Middle Eastern. Yeah, male. Yeah. So I feel I'm really lucky. So commercially, um, if it's for an Asian role, I'll probably get the audition. So I'm very thankful for that. And if um, if it's non race specific. Um, you know, I have a fighting chance, but um, you know, I actually prefer getting cast in non non race specific yeah. roles, obviously, because you know, if, you know, Asians are bad actors anyway, so to get cast <laughs> is like, oh, big deal, like they're really bad. But it's funny, I um, I was listening to another podcast besides Friends Without Benefits. Okay, I didn't know there was another one out there, but yeah, fine. it's called uh, this. I think it's called um, This American Life. I don't know. It's you know, one of those one of those startups, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was listening to it, and it's like the guy I did my Sundance film with. It was just two actors. Is a guest on it, so he he's on a good one, and you're on this one. Well, <laughs> I don't know because guess why he was on there? Talent and being interesting. 
No, he <laughs> started the group that led to the Charlottesville um, protest and the killing of the young woman. He he led the he started the group that kind of um, led to that. The group in in uh, uh, the pro alt right, I guess is what I'm getting. Correct. At? Well. So I didn't know any of this, yeah. but it was my co-star. And he started this group called the Proud Boys. Okay. And you know what? Let's stop plugging them because they, people can listen. But I guess my point was it was very interesting because uh, just, you know, you're listening to podcasts. And it's like, hey, that's the dude I did that movie with. And did, you have an inkl- did you have an inkling that he was somebody who would do a group like that? Yeah, but he did it. His argument is that it kind of everything got misconstrued that he's not a racist. I do not think he is a racist. Yeah. As a matter of fact, he's libertarian. Okay. But what happened was, uh, white supremacists joined his group and okay. spun it off. Okay. And then one of the guys, I forget his name, the guy who actually planned the the rally, he got kicked out of that group. But he, uh, but it all started initially from that same pool. Interesting. How yeah. does that make you feel about? That guy, I mean, you know what I mean? It's, um, It was interesting. It wasn't terribly surprising, but it was interesting to hear him. I've seen him on, he, he, he's kind of a very outspoken um, political commentary. Comment, he does commentary, and he's, he, you know, he's very controversial. And sure. It's part of his brand. Yeah. But uh, it was an interesting um, surprise. Yeah. Oh, wow. Maybe you can join. Why? You think they'd have me? Yeah. You got you to you you get an in for me? Well, it's interesting. I don't know if you want to implement some sort of program similar to the, to Proud Boys. So there's stages. Like the first sta- first degree is you have to declare you're a Proud Boy. The second degree is this is something you might want to adapt. You get punched in the face repeatedly, and you have to name five cereals. Like, you know, Captain Crunch. Yeah. Yeah, because they want to make sure that you can think clearly while being physically assaulted. And naming, like, Frankenberry is right. one of those things? Five, okay. while you're being punched in the face. Oh, wow. And third degree, of course, is the proverbial tattoo, Proud Boys tattoo. Well, I've never heard of the Proud Boys. Yeah, I, I never did either. It's, it, you know, leave it to this American life to dig up this fake news and wow interesting no i'll just i'll just be kind of liberal jew standard you know what i mean standard you're standard fair yeah well you could uh your second degree could be named five 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 things that you failed at in life i can't name that because there hasn't been five things five things you're guilty about oh i'm too brave <laughs> I'm too modely. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's another one. Too rock and roll. Perfectionist. Yeah. Um work too hard. Um care I, too much for others. And my penis is is too wide but too short. <laughs> so that I guess there's there's Well let's do it again, but I'll have to be punching you in the face. Oh, all right. Uh, I'll just yeah, no, I'll just keep talking about my penis. Uh so I mean yeah, so ha- like do you feel like I mean, just like I'm asking you now about it, do you feel like it's it's an issue that you're, you know, an underrepresented I you know, let's talk about YouTube for one second. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of I've worked with a lot of um Asian based YouTube channels that right. are very successful mm-hmm. playing the same guy. But they're they're 
fan bases are so strong. I remember going to London uh, for this YouTube thing, and you know, one of the uh, uh, they they you know they were there, and they had like meetups, and people were bringing them gifts, and they have such a strong fan base. Maybe because it's you know from what I what I'm told, because it's an underrepresented um, you know kind of demographic. Uh, but, um, so that's great. But however, do you feel like there's just not, you know, they talk about like in movies, it's like, well, they, you know, they whitewashed this or, you know, it's supposed to be an Asian, it's an Asian story, but they have like a white, like Aloha, like what's her name? Yeah. Like uh, Emma Stone. Emma Stone. Yeah. Who I do like, you know what I mean? I do too. I just have, I have really, really mixed feelings because I, I guess for me, it boils down to a more personal question is if I'm offered particular roles that are clearly stereotypical. Uh, the problem is, is you know, having performed live comedy a lot, I know what gets laughs. And it's like falling back into the stereotype is like, you know, the Asian caricature always gets laughed in, in live comedy. And it's, it's a bad habit because, you know, for anyone who's ever performed – you know, you start getting jittery when no one's laughing, and so for me, that was always mine. And you want to kind of you want to kind of pull that card, right? Yeah, I play that race card. Um, so I think for me, the issue of whitewashing or being underrepresented in this industry comes down to personally, like if I get a role, would I play that role? You know, do I play that role? Um, you know, and it's it's it is interesting. Like I'll be in an audition, they'll be like, "Oh, can you?" And they're always very apologetic, like, "Oh." You know, we don't want to be racist, but can you play that like with wearing thick glasses and over the top? You know, like with Jerry Lewis kind exactly. of exactly. Yeah. And I can do that, you know. But then it's like, do I want to continue to do it, that, or it, should I do that? Is it if it's funny and you think it's funny and you think it's good? Does that uh, kind of uh, like kind of go above? The fact that oh maybe it's stereotypical yeah. or whatever. I mean, do you do you say listen? If the work is good and I know I could do a good job doing it and I, um, I, I can deliver on this, is that or or do you like take a, a stand like because you're just like you know what no I'm not gonna. I think that for me I am not the type to take that stand. Um, you know I think I'm not that demonstrative. I but I have tried to make efforts in other ways. I don't know if you notice like for example in our little short. It was there was a minority in it, you know, and from now on, uh, or a couple of years ago, I decided every project I have has to have a lead that's a minority. It has to be more, and that's diverse. me because of Jew, right? Yes. Am I the? Exactly. It's not You're Luke. No. <laughs> yeah, it's not Luke. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean. I yeah. feel like so that's my part. Yeah. Um. You know, I don't know. It's like it's hard to say if if some major studio asked me to play this role, you know, it's over top character like. Is it really my job to say no? Yeah, I mean, my you know, I I, I think about things, and you know, I, I I don't mind making a fool out of myself, you know, and, and I'm willing to do things if it's like a legitimate thing, and if it's funny and it's right, you know, like I I'm down to do it, but it depends on what that you know what I mean. I, I'm not like a thing where it's like I don't do that. Yeah, it's definitely uh, depends on the context, but I also think. You know, one thing in my own kind of personal life and the way I view the world, you know, I, I always usually advocate for this position that, you know, if you offend someone, you have to recognize that they are offended and kind of acknowledge your role in offending them, whether you intended to or not. 
it doesn't mean that you can't do what you do, but you need to at least acknowledge their being offended. So I think my problem is if I do take this role that is perceived by racist by some people in my community, you know, what is my role in that and perpetuating that? And I think that's the bigger concern is by kind of acquiescing to it, I am perpetuating these stereotypes. Because, you know, it is interesting every time, you know, the fall comes and you drive down, you know, sunset or wherever you see all the billboards for the new shows, they are all full of white people. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, so I'm more cognizant of it. It's like, oh, that's interesting. Like uh, five more white guys or another white family or, you know, and it does get irritating. And then, but on the flip side, that kind of token casting is also very offensive too. Yeah. You know, Where it's almost kind of like, you know, yeah, you're like, it's it just so glaring. Like, right. Like, is it there because it's the right thing to do or is it there because it's there? Right. Why can't they truly cast? You know, I think it's just as detrimental to say, like, well, we only want an Asian for the for the sidekick. It's like just cast the best actor. Yeah. And I know that that's maybe not realistic, but it is interesting. Like, uh, you know, I've gone to an audition where it was like you walk down the hallway and it's like, oh, all the Asians are going there. They're going for the doctor. Oh, all the Hispanics, they're going there. They're going for the, the, the you know, like the domestic help, yeah. you know, and it's like so apparent. And all the white, all, you see all the white guys, <laughs> they're all going for the Ryan Gosling. You know, to be yeah. the Ryan Gosling. No, all the white guys are straight to producers, so. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. Not this it, white guy. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot of us nerdy kind of nevish white guys yeah. out there. No, I was I was on uh, I did one of those you know recreation um, uh, television shows and literally the call sheet was um, Hispanic cop, Asian cop, African American cop. Yeah. Like that's what we were, and we each had one line, and I was obviously Asian cop. Yeah, or not maybe not obviously to our listeners. Uh, so you know we're you know we're kind of like kind of speaking like you know on the you know, kind of uh, high-concept stuff talking about, you know, the you know, way the world is and, you know, how people are marginalized. But let's uh, let's talk about um, the screening of uh, – which I've talked about on this podcast before. <laughs> yeah, with Jennifer I know, Levinson. Jennifer Levinson, yeah. yeah. But let's talk about it a little further because it's a great – it's a great story. So, you know, we uh, shot uh, – you know, we d- did Bro Job. I, I don't remember – I don't remember if I've seen it or whatever, but it was – I'll let you know, at that time, I had taken a hiatus from this, sh- right. this show. I've taken a hiatus from uh, doing improv. I've taken a hiatus mostly from YouTube, auditioning. I just was in a place, you know what I mean, which I'm still sometimes I'm in and out of, but, you know, I'm kind of like, you know, moving forward. Uh, we uh, called those the dark ages of comedy. Yeah, it was just very, very, very dark. But And so going to that screening was like one of the first things um, that I was like, one, I'm leaving the house, which was difficult. Uh-huh. Not difficult for me, but I just, it was just very easy for me not to leave the house. Just found it very easy. Um, so I went and I was just very self-conscious about how I looked and, and I was like, oh, I'm terrible at this. Where you are just like, you know what? I'm, everything's, everything's great for Ray. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just, I know. What <laughs> but I, you know, but I, I just, I just didn't have any of that stuff and for no good reason. So when I went to that, I was like, ugh, I'm just going to see my big, fat, ugly face and I'm not going to be funny and everyone else, it's going to be, it was great 
beside that guy. So we go to this screening at the Man's Chinese Theater. And I remember being like, oh, this is cool. We were talking. And like, I was like, oh, okay, whatever. And they, and it was a bunch of shorts. And the majority of them were like pretty serious because, you know, actors and acting. And I was like, oh, and they were good. Everything was great. Everything artists. Was, oh, a artists. lot of artists. And everyone was like really, really great. But I, And I remember the one before ours, it ended with like a quote from Martin Luther King right. Jr. And I was like, please let it not be after this one. That's all that I want. And then smash cut from that into me getting a blowjob. Right, right, right. But I was like- From a man. From Yeah, from a man. Uh, which, is that the bad part or is that the good? See, I'm, I'm, I'm very open-minded. I'm sorry. No, uh, but I just like, but what happened was is I think people were ready for some levity. Yeah. And it- I think it went over really, really well. Like, I thought it was a great response. And I would, on paper, I would be like, this is a bad idea. Don't put this after right. this thing. Because I think there was only like one bad other. Bad programming. Bad programming. And there was like one other comedy right, thing. Right, because the other one was like date rape. The other one was <laughs> yeah. like, you know, was, they're all very uh, dark. Yeah, like people getting killed and like documentary stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think it was a welcome like commercial break from what was going on. I think it went really well and then uh the best part of the whole thing and this is what i was telling jennifer you up there answering questions was the (laughs) funniest part of the like you were essentially kind of like kindly like roasting everything and yourself and kind of like and everyone up there was really cool and they're answering questions everyone was like you know you know people are you know they're excited about to talk about what they're talking about and they're also very like maybe they're not ones who normally talk about these things because they're like the, you know the director or the writer or whatever um but then you were just la- and it would just everyone would go and then you would go and then just button it. everything everyone set up until that point for the q a it was very, very it was the best part of the whole thing yeah i think um i'm very savvy in terms of marketing you know if, if you as you pointed out like i purposely stood at the end so that i could kind of like absorb what everyone's saying and you know, I just don't take myself so seriously. Like it's, I I recognize where we where I am in the hierarchy of Hollywood, which I think is very important. And um, I just wanna, I just wanna be funny. Like I want to entertain people. And you know, no one really cares how you got that shot or how you got the uh, music. It's just like have fun with it. So what's like what's you you do a film festival right? Yeah, I do. I I run two film festivals, and one of them is coming up uh, October twentieth. So right now I'm in the midst of uh, just kind of getting the final details down for that. We have the programming and the selection. I just really love the film festival circuit. I've done it for you know ten years now, and I've gone to probably fifty different film festivals. Great opportunities to meet people. Because I'm just going to ask from, you know, if there's people out there that, because I, I, you know, people, you know, they have a short or whatever, whatever it is they have and they want to submit it, but there's so many out there. It's crazy. And not, they're not all worth it. I, they're just Absolutely not, all, not. Yeah. And so Absolutely. how, how does somebody, you know, you've, you run them, you've submitted to them, you've been in them, you've done, you've been sad, something in Sundance. So you've kind of like run the gamut. What, what do people like, how do you suggest they do that i just want to get that out there yeah i mean i always it is overwhelming i mean when i submit films i'm very selective if it's a film festival i've never heard of i'll look at their web page and i'll see if they look legitimate i mean we kind of all know you know there's a lot of people out here can kind of talk a talk and 
kind of pull one over. But it could be know, a cash grab. In a way. Yeah, and it's very interesting that you point that because I have I run two film festivals. One is a very small regional film festival in Idaho, and it's it's is that the Sam the Twin Falls Sandwiches Film Festival? Why why Idaho? Uh, just long story short, a friend of mine from Second City lives there and got me a theater, and it's a great little town. It's a wonderful destination. And um, so that film festival is, is, has tremendous community support. So, like, my filmmakers that go there, they get free food, free liquor, you know, everything. Um, you know, free legal advice. Free legal <laughs> advice. Yeah. But they're very well taken care of. They get a huge swag bag. They get food. They get, you know, it's very, very um, uh, filmmaker friendly. But the problem is you got to go to Idaho. Although, to its credit, when people go there, they love it. It's a beautiful, beautiful little town. It's just not easy to get to. The other one I run is in L.A. It's called the Die Laughing Film Festival. It's comedy and horror. But that, because I know I cannot compete with larger film festivals, so I actually undersell it. I try to tell my filmmakers, like, you know, this is a very small film festival. Don't expect industry here. Because, like, if you if you look at a film festival in L.A. and they brag that industry is going to be there, they're probably lying. Yeah. You know, there's very few film festivals that pull industry in LA. I mean And then what is industry? I mean I'm true. industry. What, You're industry, right. you know what I mean? I meant like the the thing is it's a cash grab because they try to get submissions from all over the world yeah. and they try to get filmmakers here. I try to um downplay the expectations, especially because I've traveled, you know, you know, across the country to film festival and it's like literally um folding chairs in a school classroom. What is, what is the most ni- what is the worst most nightmare when I I mean I could watch a documentary on these because uh, I think it's yeah, fascinating. Yeah, that's actually a good idea. Yeah, I mean what what is the most the, ni- the most nightmare scenario that you've come across in one of these I you know just I always try to make the best out of things because the way I look at it even if I travel at great expense to a film festival it's not necessarily what I think it should be. There's always good programming within it more importantly there's always interesting people i can meet okay so you're very kind uh no i I, but no i understand that's yeah kind of have to be but just for my own you know kind of like i want to just hear i like to hear about like festivals that uh you know whether it's like that fire festival that happened that was like went terribly awry <laughs> yeah. of, like the bahamas or whatever i like to hear about kind of concerts that have been under uh, like under attended uh i just love that stuff i was like uh, was there what was the lowest turnout of one you've ever been to yeah i think i went to you know i was actually at one film festival and it was touted as this international film festival and literally it was like the rooms in the library with like four people, you know, screening. Where was that? I'm not gonna say. Okay, 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 okay. But like that was somewhat disappointing. Luckily, it was only a three hour drive, so you can actually probably narrow it down. Right, right. So it was only a three hour drive, but still, you're kind of like, hmm. I mean, thank goodness I didn't fly across the yeah. country for this. But then I've been pleasantly surprised. I've gone to film festivals and in Cincinnati, I was like, well, my God, this is great. I mean, yeah. I went to the Zurich Film Festival last year. Yeah. A year ago, yeah. And I had literally had no reason no to idea. be there. No, yeah. they were just like, do you want to go? I was like, yeah, I want to go to Zurich. So I went I went to that. So my film festival, um, except maybe that Holly Shorts, is is like, I don't, I have a very limited, narrow, but I think uh, Michael uh, Gallagher, who did, you know, did the video that we did together, uh-huh. he uh, has a movie that I'm in for, for, for a minute. Um, 
that he's, sub- he's submitting to a lot of the like big festivals. Yeah, you know, I think I think the other problem is is like the the marquee festivals. They're so selective; they get so many submissions. It's just it's just kind of that's the other end of the spectrum. Like that's another cash grab too. Yeah, you know, I mean, you, you're. I'm sorry, your film is not going to be in contention. Yeah. What when you? I don't know why this is like. I could talk about this forever. Um have you got because you get submissions for your film festivals yep. and you can't put them all in correct correct has there been what can you recall and, and it's not meant to like you know to be I, I don't mean to cast negative light on anyone's hard work because everyone's hard everyone's idea of good and hard work there's an audience for everything but has there ever been something so like come on you really think this is going to go in any festival? It shouldn't even be shown, like yeah. On the internet. It's hard because y- you realize it all is all very subjective. I mean, there's definitely things I don't like. Yeah, but it's not based on qual. It's it's just based on content, right? I I think there's the quality aspect. Some things are just poorly made, and you got to think, you know, you know, why are you submitting this? It's a bad reflection on your work. And then content wise, like comedy is easy because if I laugh, then that means I like it. Um, but it's like anyone who performs, like you do comedy, and I'm sure this has happened where you'll you'll get a laugh someplace that you didn't expect, or the same bit will get laughs at different points. You know, I think you're probably learning that with your stand-up, you know, like, yeah. like oh, this is going to kill, and then it doesn't. And then some other thing. Throwaway thing. Right. I mean, yeah, I'm very new at stand-up, which I've been right. talking about, and I'm just like now starting to do like book shows and trying to do like out-of-town shows. But there's, yeah, there's things where I'm like, this seems like it works. And, you know, it's hit or miss. And then you say some throwaway thing that right. you were like, I didn't even say, and that gets a huge thing. Yeah, so it's hard to 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 say absolutely like, oh, this is going to be funny and this is not. But I will say you do have that eye roll moment when you see something and you're just like, it just doesn't work. But for me, I think there's simple rules that should be avoided. One is, especially with shorts, get to the point. Like they do sometimes get so bogged down with like the artistry they're like oh my god it's like we're in a like lens flares in a field for like 10 minutes if i am watching a short and five minutes in i still don't know what it's about like it's very unlikely i'm going to schedule you because i only have limited slots and i can't put in a 12 minute short where for the first five minutes are ambiguous yeah and then and then i think the other thing is i think that goes the same for a lot of like you know comedy youtube videos like yeah you want something to happen Immediately, yeah. In the first, if it's a YouTube video, like the first 10, 15 seconds, you know, maybe a TV show in the first, definitely in the first five minutes. Yeah. The good thing about film festival audiences is they're they're very forgiving, you know, because they they have to go out of their way to go to your film festival. They're either like other filmmakers or they're fans of films that are in film festivals, so they always appreciate programming, yeah. even if there's like you know, hiccups. Uh, and yeah, yeah, like uh, maybe that in hindsight that wasn't that good. What's the f- farthest you've seen somebody come to a film festival uh this is a a point of pride for the twin falls sandwiches film festival in twin falls idaho we had a a screenwriter from australia come last year she flew like 48 hours stayed like 48 hours and then flew back 48 hours so she's like i'm going to america yeah and uh, she's like where you go you're gonna go to new york la san francisco (laughs) chicago i mean florida no Idaho, Twin Falls. It's the <laughs> Twin Falls, and they're probably like, "Why?" Right? I'm sure her friends were like, "Why?" Uh, but that's very cool, though. Yeah. But to be honest, uh, Twin Falls. Google it, everyone. It's 
beautiful. I'm it's sure it is. A great. I'd go town. there. I mean, I but I would do random. You know what I mean? I'd go random places. Do random it actually places. has a claim to fame. Um, Evil Knievel jumped the Snake River there. Oh, okay, so, so that's that something to. Yeah, that's a little, little something. A little trivia. So, uh, you have your film. What 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 else do you have going on? Um, like, what 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 do you have for us? You just. Uh, where we've seen you like if you i know you're always like doing stuff yeah like, i'm shooting a co-star next week so i'll be can you um, talk about that or no uh i don't know i okay they didn't say you couldn't talk about it but, but then yeah. i was like i now i know why you don't talk about it because so i get the script and i'm just in one scene with the lead but it's only you know i don't know five lines but i'm like that could very well not make it to the final right, episode yeah. so i was like now i get it like like that's probably why it wasn't like a role where I was intermittently like like there's no way I'm gonna be completely cut out right they need you yeah. right but I was like hmm and I learned my lesson I had a I had a rocky commercial season last year I I although I I booked two nationals I got cut out of two nationals okay so like that really hurts yeah so like, so well, you just get the session like, fee right yeah, yeah so it's like uh well you don't know until it it doesn't happen until it's happened literally yeah. and sometimes you don't see it that's another strange thing about this town is. Or your job, like you do your work and you don't see your product. Yeah. Like I've had people see things that I've been in that I've never seen. Yeah. So and then and then you get that dreaded letter. Well, if you know you know, when you, when you shoot it and um, it eventually it does stay in because you're you. Um, we'll we'll see it at some point. Yeah, you'll see it this season on NBC Thursday night. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, there's a little hint. Yeah. Okay, we got that. No, I, I'm, I, my brain is turning. I'm like, how do I make this so memorable that they can't cut me well, out? Well, how about the, yeah, yeah. Where, where can people find you online? So this way, if it comes out and you, um, maybe friends with benefits, so without benefits. Or, or yeah, I mean without be, benefits. Or yeah, friends with benefits. You have a yeah, one. Boy, talk about Freudian slip. Yeah, that should be you know. Uh, well, I have uh, Raychow.com, which is ridiculously outdated. But I think my film festival um, websites are pretty up to date. Twin Falls Sandwiches Film Festival. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, when are we gonna make Bro Job t- Bro Job Two? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think um, I don't know. Let's let's do that next week. You know what? Let's do that next let's week. Let's round up the gang. Yeah. Let's let's get the old, let's get the old gang back together. <laughs> Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.